Hey there, Duke fans. Welcome to episode 452 of the DBR, Duke Basketball Report podcast. We are here for your listening enjoyment as the Duke season creeps ever closer, uh, swiftly getting closer. In fact, the Blue Devils played a very, very good, very significant opponent this weekend. Just none of us got to watch it. <laughs> it was a scrimmage game, but we have some details. We have the box score. We have photos on Instagram. We have little little nuggets that are slipping out here and there, and we want to talk all about it. I am Jason Evans. I'll be hosting you on the journey this week. Joining me, as always, Donald Wine and Sam Klein. Donald, looks like you're dancing there in D.C. How you doing, my friend? Uh, so it's been a great weekend. Um, the uh, NWSL Championship was here this weekend. It played last night. Uh, so I have had a lot of friends in town over the last few days uh, to do that. And my body is starting to catch up with the wear and tear from the weekend. Um, and I've been working in the middle of all of it. So um yeah it's it's been a it's been a fun weekend but a long drawn out tiring one as well hey can i ask you a personal question are you more of a fan of women's football women's soccer or men's uh los dos both yeah both i watch both (laughs) as i'm sitting here right now like talking about women's soccer there's men's soccer on my tv uh as you guys know i went to europe uh for the women's games uh, a couple weeks ago, I will be going to the World Cup for the men, going to the Women's World Cup next year. I don't care. It's soccer. It's all fun. I like it. I like it. Uh, Sam Klein is also joining us. Sam, it, it looks like a gorgeous scene outside the window I can see there behind you. Yes, it is a beautiful uh, day up here in the Northeast. The fall remains. The winter has not set in yet. And uh, I am most excited at this moment Uh relative to the topics we're going to discuss today that on the DBR forum, I finally see the Duke men's basketball 2022, 2023 season phase zero post, which is up, which means that it is now basketball season. Yes. Yes. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, And, and the fact that it is basketball season is exemplified by the fact that the blue devils played a secret scrimmage, not so secret. Like everyone knows that these things are happening they, they, post- they posted about it. So it's not like we can't yeah. even call it a secret scrimmage. They posted that they went down to Houston. They had a whole Instagram story about them flying down there and, and photos from the practice. Like, we're good. It's, it was a scrimmage. There was a time when these things were done sort of in private. Not not so much anymore. And not in anymore. fact, yeah. um, as Donald said, we've gotten Instagram photos and, and Instagram stories and stuff. And a box score even leaked. And it was sort of funny. About 24 hours ago, the three of us were talking. We were like, okay, we, we need to do our weekend pod. We are like, oh, what are we going to talk about? Oh, yeah, we, you know, the Blue Devils have this scrimmage game against Houston. And we were like, oh, I wonder how many details we'll get. I wonder if there'll be enough to talk about. And then lo and behold, they bestow all this information upon us. It's information, which, by the way, Jason, it's just like a dozen photos and a box score. Yeah, which is like, right. Which is about as much context as we need to uh, completely be wrong in our analysis of everything. So let's do it. <laughs> exactly right, right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the final score, of course, from the contest between Duke and Houston. By the way, worth noting, the Houston Cougars are a preseason like top five team. Uh, mm-hmm. Just like last year when Duke played Villanova, Villanova ended up making the final four. Uh, Houston is an outstanding, outstanding basketball team, a very, very experienced team full of lots of juniors and seniors, guys who have played at a high level in the past and will be expected to play at a high level in the future. They have in Marcus Sasser, one of the leading uh, National Player of the Year candidates 
He played really well against Duke, at least according to the box score. Um, but anyway, uh, the Blue Devils lost that game 61 to 50. They played a 20 minute half followed by a 12 minute partial half. That is very much in line with what Duke did a year ago against Villanova. After that, they had a number of sort of situational scrimmage kind of activities that they did. They, I believe they also played a shorter scrimmage among the deeper bench players, some of the younger players. Uh, we didn't get a box score from that. I'm not sure that necessarily they kept score or, or that the box score was kept, but uh, we did get a box score from the from the 32 minute game that again was 61 to 50. Guys, there's there's a lot to unpack from just a box score, <laughs> and we will attempt to unpack it. Sam, I tell you what, why don't you start it off for me? Hey, start by mentioning this. Starters are kind of crazy. It was not the guys we expected to start. No, and and part of that, of course, is is the fact that do of two of Duke's presumed starters, Derek Lively and Derek Whitehead, were missing from this game. The, but the top the, two players in the high school basketball class, so they might exactly have had the impact of the game. <laughs> exactly. So Jeremy Roach and Kyle Filipowski were starting. I think that the consensus has been that those two guys are pretty much locked into starting roles. Jeremy Roach probably the most. Kyle Filipowski, I suppose, if he is underwhelming throughout the early part of the season, could get replaced. But they're in pretty solid position for starting roles. The chatter around Tyrese Proctor the last couple months since he's been in Durham has has made me more confident that he's going to be a starter. But again, plenty of guys who could come uh, backfill for him if if he is not you know, the, the, the top other wing on this team next to Tariq Whitehead. The two sort of reserve starters for this game were Mark Mitchell and Ryan Young. Mark Mitchell filling in at the notional small forward role and Ryan Young at the center role. Now, we've talked in, in sort of trying to figure out what the rotation is going to look like for Duke this season, that it's unlikely, given his size and skill set, that Derek Lively is going to be able to play 35 minutes a game for Duke. And so Ryan Young, as we've said, is probably a key reserve off the bench because he brings the size that Lively has, not nearly the the toolkit, especially on defense, but that he's he's sort of able to to fill in when needed at the center role. So I I I think it makes sense that Ryan Young was in there. Mark Mitchell, I suppose, is the is the most surprising in terms of if you had asked me four months ago who are the backups if Derek Whitehead and Derek Lively are out. I don't know that I would have guessed Mark Mitchell. Yeah, but um, but not four days ago. I mean, but not four days. I, I think ago. most of us expected. You said Filipowski, you know, was assumed to be a starter a while ago. He was, but I think most of us sort of there, there's been some belief that Mitchell's kind of past Filipowski. I, I you know, I, I would have been more surprised to see Mitchell on the bench than Filipowski. So but they both okay. started, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, right. And 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 the question is when when Whitehead and Lively are both back in the starting lineup, what does it look like? I think that's the by the way, the the number one overarching takeaway from this game is don't take too much away from this game, particularly among the big men and, and the wings, because the best big man and the best wing, presumably on this team, were not playing. Now, all that being said, the other thing that intrigues me, we we talked about the starting lineup. The only other three guys who got minutes yesterday in the secret scrimmage were Jalen Blakes, Jacob Grandison, and Jaden Shute. Jaden Shute basically played Jalen Blakes's role from last season. He got three minutes in this game. Uh, I think he, I think he posted a three trillion. So he did. Jaden Shute, no, no other, no other stats. He was just a body on the court. We have no Ball idea. Cardio. Yeah, we have no idea how he looked. 
we have no idea how any of these guys looked, but this is sort of a a preview of of maybe the the ranking of the of the rotation. I will say the other the other sort of interesting note. Um, those three, uh, or, or yeah, the, the the three guys that came off the bench, Blakes and and Grandison, um, got similar minutes to a couple of the starters. So I don't know if you want to read deeply into that. I don't know that there's much differentiation between them. And it seems like Proctor and, and Filipowski also didn't get that much playing time um, or they got similar playing time. Uh, it does seem like Filipowski got saddled with fouls. So again, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to read deeply. My favorite nugget before I pass it back to you, Jason, my favorite nugget from this game in terms of looking at the box score and wondering exactly what happened here. Um, Jalen Blakes led the team in rebounding. Jalen Blakes, uh, famously not a rebounder. Uh, Jalen Blakes, rather small for a basketball player. And uh, so I propose to the two of you, how many times, and maybe this is a stats game uh, element that we do this year, how many times this season will Jalen Blakes lead the team in rebounding? Uh, for me, I, I I don't think we should make this a stats game. I, I think this is going to be a very uh, rare occurrence that we see Jalen Blakes leading the team in rebounds. But I will say this, if if he has led the team in rebounds, then maybe it's a blowout win. Or maybe it's because we have two guys that are going to be rebounding the ball that are not currently playing right now. Um, and I think when it comes to Derek Lively and, and Derek Whitehead, it sounds like Derek Lively is coming back uh, for the season opener. They're just being cautious with him, which is what we want them to do. Uh, Derek Whitehead's maybe a couple weeks out. Um, they're they're targeting possibly the Kansas game, but if not, shortly after the Kansas game for him to come back. So uh, I, I think if that's the case, then. We're going to need other people to step up in, in key places. I, I w- wouldn't think Jalen Blakes would be the one to step up in rebounding, but that's the kind of, you know, that that's what we're going to need for the next couple of weeks to kind of fill in these gaps while our starting lineup kind of gets back to 100%. So guys, there, I think there are a number of things that we can take from this box score. And, and, and let me run through a few of them. I mean, first of all, you guys are, are right about the rotation in terms. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think it's hard to see. Jaden shoot unless something crazy happens having a huge role for this team I was pretty surprised that Jacob Grandison didn't play um, quite as much as we would have expected and, and didn't start but on the other hand I think a lot of that may have been I mean he he's the most experienced player on this roster John Shire probably knows what he can get from Jacob Grandison more than anybody else on this roster and uh, other than maybe uh, Jeremy Roach probably but you know so I think it's very possible that that they decided, look, let's let's see other guys more than we need to see Grandison. But the the big thing I take away from it is that Shire went, you know, seven seven and a half deep with two of his best players, you know, arguably two of the top three, top four players in the team missing. Those guys are definitely going to play. So, you know, there's been a lot of speculation. Oh, how how much is John? You know, how deep is John Shire going to play as a coach? And, and there's been a lot of talk, oh, maybe he's going to go as much as like nine deep. I think we've got some pretty good evidence here that that he's looking at at a nine deep kind of rotation, which is which is different from what Coach K gave us. The other stuff that we get from that box score is I love that Ryan Young got to the free throw line a lot. Ryan Young, uh, you know, was the Duke was Duke's leading scorer in this scrimmage and and just knocked down a, a ton of free throws. And, and, you know, we expect that to be the kind of role he's going to play for the blue devils he he got 10 free throws hit eight of them and ended up with 14 points 
I, I think that's that's great to hear. Uh, I like that Mark Mitchell was second on the team in rebounding, second on the team in points, had a really efficient game. He was the only only player on the team to hit better than 20% of his threes. We got to talk about those three-pointers. Uh, this was this was troubling. Duke was only 2 of 17. 2 of 17 from 3. Not not a good number. We need to be better than that. And and the two biggest culprits were Kyle Filipowski, who was 0 for 5. Jeremy Roach was 1 for 5. Tyrese Proctor, 0 for 3. Those guys are just going to uh, just have to shoot better. I like that Filipowski attempted five three-pointers and that he attempted 10 shots. I like seeing him being aggressive like that. There's been some video we've had, you know, from, from scrimmages and other stuff of Filipowski where he's looked a little more deferential. And and I want the Kyle Filipowski that's out there trying to put up a lot of shots. Um, and I and he's capable of hitting three-pointers. So I've got no problem with him taking three-pointers. Um, I, I do want to note about a flip that he he grabbed three offensive rebounds, led the team in offensive rebounding. And I, I've noticed on some of the practice videos, he seems like a good um, uh, opportunistic offensive rebounder. Uh, Tyrese Proctor really struggled. Uh, one for five from the field, didn't hit any three-pointers, three turnovers, and he played the least minutes of any of the starters. And then the last thing I wanted to note was that Jeremy Roach, you know, really good in the blue-white scrimmage, hitting three-pointers, uh, you know, didn't hit his threes in this game, but he, he also fouled out. He only had one assist. And and one of the keys for this team is is Jeremy Roach facilitating for other people, or is he, you know, primarily facilitating for himself in this scrimmage? It looks like he was primarily facilitating for himself. I'd like to see that be a little more mixed a little bit more. And I have to wonder. I I'm starting to think that maybe Tyrese Proctor and Jer- and Jalen Blakes are really the point guards in this team, and that Jeremy Roach is at least at the moment playing more of a wing off the ball kind of role. Yeah, I, I think when it comes to Tyrese Proctor, some of the nuggets that we've seen on the internet uh you know from chat rooms and and forums to you know tweets uh, it sounds like Tyrese Proctor is the one that the team looks more capable with the ball in his hands and with him initiating the offense and running the point guard role I I think we see a little bit of that in in the first part I don't think it's going to be 100% the ball in Tyrese Proctor's hands as we start the season. I think you're going to see Roach, Blakes, and, and and Proctor all get their shots. But I think the the eventual assumption is that, you know, we gravitate towards a, 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 an offense where Tyrese Proctor mostly has the ball. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about was the three-pointers. Uh, Jason, you pointed out we went two for 17. And when you're shaping a team to be a three-point shooting team, that's going to happen. But the hope is that not everyone has an off day shooting at the same time like they did in this particular scrimmage. And But again, that's going to happen from time to time. Um, I, I don't want to say we're going to live by the three, die by the three, but that is going to be uh, times where we're going to have to figure out how to generate offense when our three-point shots are not coming down. And, and all of these guys, right? Like Jaden Shu could go off and go five for five one night, and the next night he could go zero for five. He's got to figure out how to generate offense and create points even if he's not shooting the ball well and all these guys are going to have to figure out maybe in a way to try and make this puzzle work where not everyone is having the same type of off night on the same at the same time donald i'm not sure if Jaden shoot is going to produce much offense on this team this year if he is only getting three minutes in a scrimmage where two of the starters are out but you know i'm i'm 
I'm open to changing my mind a lot about this team as the year goes on because of all the not just youth, but new guys who are around on the bench. And uh, I guess it's on the bench, but depending on whether they're in uniform or whether they're in polo shirts, uh, <laughs> be it coaches or players. The the other thing that I would note here in terms of uh, the the poor shot making, it seems, was going on is that Jeremy Roach got 13 shots. Kyle Filipowski got 10 and. I I would like to read into who's taking a lot of shots. Uh, John Shire clearly is telling Jeremy Roach, create offense, like make make things happen. Um, he, he you know he doesn't have that many in the in the assists and turnover uh, numbers, so maybe he he was looking to shoot more than he was looking to pass, which I would find surprising, I guess for for Jeremy Roach. But if that's what Shire is telling him to do, then there must be some reason that he's trusting him and. Look, Duke will have off shooting nights. That is not a that's not a John Shire era thing. That's not a not having Zion Williamson thing. That's just that just happens. They're just a basketball team. So uh, I, I'm not I, again, I, I, I don't want to project that I'm I'm so worried about this team because they happen to have a, a poor shooting night, you know, not under the lights uh, against a very good team. Like none of this, none of this really matters. What is interesting to me is that Roach and Filipowski took a lot of shots, which means they will probably continue to take a lot of shots. Uh, you know, Sam, one thing you just mentioned there uh, about, about assists and, you know, how are we creating offense and such? I, you know, one fun thing that we should consider for our stat game is how many assists does Duke's leading assist guy have? Cause I think the number may be shockingly low. Possibly, right? Like, I, I, I'm not sure. Um, you're talking about raw numbers, like, or are you talking about assists per game? Assists per game. I mean, you look, they they translate the same way, but assists per game. Like, I, it, it is it is possible that Duke's leading assist person this year averages less than four assists per game. I think that's possible, which seems you know pretty remarkable. Which is okay if you're spreading the ball around, right? We, one of the one of the key stats that we had last year was you know, a system made buckets and, you know, you want that number uh, to be that ratio to be sort of high, close to like 60, 70%, uh, you know, four assists on 23 made baskets. That's not getting it done. But that also was because we weren't shooting the ball well. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of these passes or these three pointers were generated from the dribble. A lot of them are probably created off the pass, but if you don't make it, you don't get an assist for it. Um, but the one thing that I'm going to be looking for in the first part of the season with all these kind of shifting around of who's coming in off the bench and, and, and whatnot, I want to see, and you guys know I'm a, I'm a Detroit Pistons fan, who is going to be the Vinny Johnson of this team? Who's going to be the guy that could come off the bench and generate offense quickly? Because in, in with all these moving parts, and again, guys coming into the lineup, guys returning to the lineup, you know, everyone getting minutes, and you have a bench that's, you know, assumingly going to be a little bit deeper than we've seen in years past. You're going to need someone who's going to be able to come off the bench, generate a lot of offense in the time that they're on the floor. And that way, when they get off the court, they can be efficient. So uh, I'm looking to see who that's going to be. And I think that could change from night to night. But I think eventually we will find someone who that sixth man, that someone's that John Shire can turn to and say, hey, this guy's going to give me some offense, whether it's making buckets or creating buckets. And we're looking, I'm looking to see who that's going to be uh, as the season starts. You know, Donald, Vinny Johnson hasn't played professional basketball in 30 years. <laughs> that's and great. We still, we're still bringing the man up. The microwave still lives. <laughs> the microwave. Hey, everyone has a microwave in their house, right? So yep. everyone understands the importance of having a microwave on a team. 
I have one friend who doesn't have a microwave. They cannot nope. be trusted in the crisis. No, so. no microwave in his home. <laughs> makes can't, makes popcorn on the stove. Reheats everything in the oven. It can be done, but uh, but it's annoying. That's kind of crazy. All right, guys, we got anything else on this game? We're gonna we're gonna move on. We have to take a little bit of a break here. We're gonna move on, and when we come back, the Blue Devils have another exhibition coming up, and this time we're gonna get to actually watch it. <laughs> Details of what we're hoping to see when the Blue Devils take on Fayetteville State after the break. Okay, we're back from the break. And as we mentioned, Duke has another exhibition coming up. It'll be a chance for all of us to get uh, a little bit of more of a peek at the Blue Devils. It'll be an official exhibition as opposed to one of these sort of secret scrimmages. Duke will be playing Fayetteville State on Wednesday. And, you know, it's, you know, Duke does these every year. A Division II opponent, um, a, a pretty good Division II opponent. Fayetteville State was uh, 21 and 9 a year ago. They went 13 and 3 in their conference. This is a team that knows how to win. Um, they lost several of their top players from last year, but they do return two starters, at least two starters, um, including their second leading scorer from a lo- uh, year ago, uh, a guard named Cress Worthy, who was their second leading scorer, scored in double digits. And uh, look, like usually happens against these these Division two opponents, Duke's going to be playing a team that isn't very big. They've got one guy who's 6'9", but other than that, most of their players top out 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, uh, you know, tough to say a lot in terms of previewing Fayetteville State because... Just like at the Division One level, there's lots of transfers. There are lots of new guys on their roster. Not a ton of guys coming back. Uh, anyway, Donald, why don't you you know tell? It, it, it's not as much about hey, what's Duke going to be facing as it is what's Duke going to do, right? I mean, obviously we are one of the top teams in Division One. A Division Two team probably isn't going to compete very well. What are you looking to see from Duke, and what do you think Fayetteville State will present in terms of opposition? Yeah, I think when it comes to First off, from Duke's side, I think I want to see them, you know, be more efficient on offense. I want to, for us, you know, obviously we did get to see the scrimmage over the weekend. And like you said, Jason, this is the first chance for us to see them play another team. So I want to see how that works, you know, with one ball, uh, so to speak. How do they, you know, work together on offense? How do they work together on defense? What some of the lineup combinations are going to be? Obviously, we're going to be missing two key players uh, this weekend or, or this week. So, I want to see how those combinations go. And at the end of the you know, day, I'm, I'm hoping we'll see lively. I think it's not, it's not impossible that we'll see lively. That'd be great. It's not impossible. Yeah. And, and maybe we see him for a cameo, but I, I'm not expecting it. Uh, and if he doesn't play, I don't think it's the end of the world because again, I think they're being very cautious with uh, the, the knock that he picked up and that's, that's fine for me. But I think, you know, when it comes to Fayette state or Fayetteville state, there's a couple of teams um that they played last year where they just gave up a lot of assists. They were letting people pass the ball on them. So I want to see the ball movement a little bit. I want to see how that works because that's something that you can start early and make a focus of do, of, of creating shots off of the pass. Again, if we're going to be a three-point shooting team, we can't create all of them off the dribble. We're going to have to move the ball around. Guys are going to have to get into open spaces and find those, you know, find those open jumpers. I want to see how they do that. I think ball movement is something that can always start early and improve throughout the season. You don't have to pick it up in January. I want to see what they can do with it now. The thing that I'm most curious about relative to what we see in the box score from the Houston game 
is the minutes distribution. Uh, in particular, I guess if you start at the top, I wonder, given how many shots and, and how many minutes he played against Houston, I wonder how much Jeremy Roach will play. I imagine that John Shire's approach to Jeremy Roach is Jeremy Roach is in the game unless you know that there's there's some very specific reason to not have him in. And I wonder, even in this game where Duke should win comfortably, does Jeremy Roach still end up playing 30-plus minutes because he needs to get reps with all these guys in game situations. Uh, he's not He's not coming out very often. Um, I imagine that once Dariq Whitehead comes back and is healthy, he'll be the same way. Unfortunately, he doesn't get this opportunity. And then down at the bottom of the roster, or, or, or at the bottom of the bench, I guess, uh, we mentioned before that Jaden Shute only gets three minutes against Houston. Does a guy like that, or does Jacob Grandison, or whoever else, get a few more minutes against Houston? Is there more rotation among the rest of the team? Um, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not so much concerned about the, the actual statistical output. Duke is likely going to have Fayetteville state, you know, well overmatched at, at every position, lots more size, et cetera, all the same things that happen every year against the division two opponents. So what are the rotations and, and how does John Shire sort of use different pieces of this roster in in combination with each other. I think that there are a lot of different players on this team who have different games and, and bring uh, different elements, right? When we say that Mark Mitchell and, and Kyle Filipowski are battling for the same starting spot on this team, that does not imply that they have similar skill sets. When we say that Derek Lively and Ryan Young are going to be switching off at the, at the center position and maybe playing, you know, one of them, Derek Lively plays 25 minutes a game and Ryan Young plays 15. When one of them is in, in, in the game, totally different style that Duke has to be playing around the basket than when the other one is in the game. The same thing at the four, the same thing, honestly, at the three for whoever is replacing Tariq Whitehead and all the way down the roster. Even if we say that Tyrese Proctor is going to be uh, filling in for Jeremy Roach at the point guard position in the few minutes when Jeremy Roach is not on the floor, that has implications for the way that Duke initi initiates offense. So uh, the, the lineup combinations I'm, I'm most intrigued by, and I'll say that, on the category of uh, I'm a little disappointed in prior years, I think Duke, and I don't know if there was a, if there's a actual like uh, logistics issue that prevents this or, or a rules issue that prevents this. But in years past, I know that Duke has played multiple exhibition games against division two teams. And if any year was a year when Duke needed to play two exhibition games, needed to play an extra exhibition game, needed to do a summer trip, et cetera, Man, I wish it would have been this year. This would have been the, uh, this would have been with, a year with absolutely. the start of the John Shire era. So, uh, put me in the camp of I would have liked to have one more exhibition game uh, before Duke actually officially uh, kicks off the season. And for me, the last thing that I'm looking for, um, you know, Sam, we expect that we will play fairly well. We expect that we will win the game. We expect that we will at some point overmatch Fable State. But I also expect us to not be sharp because it's the again, this is the where we you know mess around with things and we try try some combinations and we see what happens. But they're not going to be sharp. And I hope I want the you know everyone in Cameron. I want everyone who watches the game to be patient because sharpness will come. That takes time, but it's going to be a little bit, and you cannot expect them to be completely polished night one out the gates. This is the time to kind of work those things out and I we need to just stress patience is the key what you see on Wednesday is not the team you will see next Monday against Jacksonville preach patience because I think 
in the first half of the season, we're definitely going to need it with all of these new parts moving and trying to gel and come together. Guys, y'all are right to preach patience, and I'm going to preach something else that's shot selection. I really want this Duke team not to settle for the first three-pointer that they can find. I think that's something that at least the stats and what I saw in the blue-white game showed me that this team, they like to shoot threes. They have a number of guys who are capable of shooting threes. Three-pointers are super efficient, really good shots when you hit them. (laughs) And uh, so far, they've struggled at hitting them a little bit, but I really, really want this team. I want to see them working the ball better against Fayetteville State, and I want to see them getting good shots. Don't Just don't take the first three-pointer that comes available. That's that's the biggest thing that I think this team needs to work on. And I think a lot of that is a function of them being, you know, new to each other, new to college, and, uh, you know, not necessarily being confident. If we don't have the first shot, we'll find another one. So once they find one, they go, okay, we're just going to go and take this one. So, and, and by the way, you, you're, you'll be able to see that. You'll be able to see the shot selection whether they're playing Fayetteville State or whether they're playing a better team. I don't think that the quality of the opponent necessarily dictates shot selection. So so I think it's a good thing to look for against a team like Fayetteville State. Yeah, I think shot selection, you know, when you're taking when you're taking the first shot, I, I think you're gonna see a lot of that on Wednesday. You may even see a lot of that on Monday. And again, I think that's okay. That's gonna be part of the growing process is figuring out when those when to take the second shot, when to make the extra pass, uh, and, and trusting that your guy will be there. Um, that's something that you can't just figure out on night one. Um, that's going to take some time, and I think that's all part of the, the growing process and the learning process that we're going to see this year. One last thing before we go. Um, we do want to make a statement about something. Uh, it regards a member of the Brotherhood who sort of persona non grata at this point. Donald, I'm going to let you take the lead on this. Go ahead, my friend. Yeah, so look, guys, a lot of people have been asking about Kyrie Irving and his comments, uh, which were frankly anti-Semitic, about a movie that's coming out that's based on a book that is also anti-Semitic. And we're here to tell you that we're not going to talk about Kyrie Irving straight up. Like, this is not going to happen. And it's not necessarily because we don't want to discuss what what he has said, but he is not worth discussing on this show at this point. Um, what he's been doing is, is frankly unacceptable and I won't stand for it. I know, uh, Sam and Jason have been kind of going through it with, with the most recent thoughts. And, uh, at this point, you know, we don't really have anything to say about Kyrie Irving, except to say that he's just not going to be discussed, uh, in general. Yeah. Thank you, sir. I, I concur. Um, I think I was, I was saying to you guys a minute ago, you know, I, I don't want people to feel like I don't want people to feel like I came to the last straw with Kyrie when he when he got anti-Semitic because I am of course Jewish, uh, but it's just been building for a while on a lot of different fronts. And I, look, I don't I don't care what Duke University does about him, whatever it's fine, but I'm I'm done with him. If if we have a draft of Dukies in the NBA. I will not be drafting him. I'm I'm just done with him. I've had friends who are fans of other teams, other schools over the years be like, don't you think Kyrie's kind of a knucklehead? You know, in maybe they phrase it differently, but they've been asking me that for years and I've always been like, yeah, he's he's kind of a knucklehead. He's like pretty annoying that that he's like our guy, you know? Like he's he's great. He's a great player, 
Um, but yeah, I, I could do without all that nonsense. I mean, he's this is not obviously the first ridiculous thing that he said um, or a thing that where everyone's gone. What? Uh, it's not so, the 10th ridiculous thing he's done. I, yeah, I, I, I don't count them anymore. Um, uh, I, I don't know if if some of the stuff has been sort of as overtly offensive as as his comments from this week. At, at, which is why I think the the backlash has been stronger to against him and Kanye West and et cetera. Um, but if if this stuff is overwhelming you, my my advice is just to listen to celebrities less and care less about the kind of stuff that they say. I'm not I'm not advocating for a uh, like a shut up and dribble sort of thing. Uh, everyone's free to speak their mind, um, but there's there are uh, consequences for not you 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 can't be punished in this country just for saying something that you think uh at least not except in very extreme circumstances but you can be punished in the court of public opinion so uh if you got weird opinions and uh you want to you want to test them out maybe ask some folks before you you know before you share them sort of broadly with your enormous audience and uh we'll we'll think that crazy people are crazy when they tell us so, so most so, people would say you know the going right, most people would say he should have left this in the drafts. I say he shouldn't have drafted this at all. Yeah, th- this is one of those things you don't draft, but you know, <laughs> good to good to tell us who you are, uh, so that we know. Yeah, when when someone tries to tell you who they are, listen, yeah, believe let them. them. Yeah. yeah, that right, was well, a lot of talking for- about a guy we're not going to talk about, but we're not going to talk about him anymore after this, right? Right, correct. Yes. That's going to do it for episode 452 of the DBR podcast, the Duke Basketball Report. Donald and Sam, thanks for joining me. I'm Jason. Hey, don't forget, you can always write to us, reach out to us, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. That's our email address. We'll be back with you in just a few days after the Blue Devils have their exhibition match against Fayetteville State. I am, again, am Jason. He is Donald. He is Sam. And this is the Duke Band to play us out and take us home. How was breakfast, Mr. Klein? Uh, Delightful. Still in your um, mouth. (laughs) Huh? Still in your mouth. No, um, I'm having my uh, traditional post-breakfast dessert, which is uh, frozen... uh, Thin mint flavored pretzels. Covered in chocolate, yes. That's the thin mint part, yes. Yep. They're pretty good.